0: Hey, Life Church and all of our network churches, those of you at Church Online, I've got a special treat for you today. Uh, we have a guest speaker who is uh, one of my very close friends and a phenomenal communicator of God's Word. I want to tell you about their amazing church, The Father's House, in Rochester, New York, in a place where it's really difficult um, to reach people. Uh, their church uh, was had a little under two hundred people when they took over ten years ago, and under pastor Pierre and marley 's leadership, this church has grown to well over six thousand people in a very short period of time. One of the reasons is uh, this man he totally seeks after the heart of God you 're going to love him he 's from South Africa, transplanted uh, to New York. Could you guys please give a warm life church welcome to Pastor Pierre dupleis.
1: Well, we want to welcome all of our Life Churches, Network Churches, and our online church family. It's such an incredible uh, privilege for me to stand right here because Life Church has been such a huge investor in our lives and our ministry. Craig and Amy and all the staff, you guys, an absolute blessing to us. So what you see goes far beyond what you can imagine. Our lives deeply impacted, so I am so pumped right now to be here, and to just speak what has been percolating in my heart for such a long time. And I cannot wait to get into this passage you will find in the book Jeremiah. So we're going to go there right now. In the book Jeremiah, that's an Old Testament prophet, but I want you to use your imagination right now. Go back with me all the way to Genesis, like right in the beginning. Because you see, this is like day six of creation, and God... Almighty for the last five days has done the unthinkable. You've got to understand that the angels have been seeing that out of, out of the, the, the inky abyss of nothingness, Almighty God has created the most beautiful, the splendor of heaven. And on day six, out of his mouth comes the words, let us make man. Now I can only imagine that the angels were leaning into that moment Oh, my mind can just begin to, uh, to 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 make up what should have been in the Bible. Really, that the angels were whispering, "What is God doing?" Because every single time that God spoke, He would speak everything else into being. So they're expecting that in this moment, when God say, "Let us make man," that Almighty God is going to speak a word. But God bends down. God. Puts his mighty hands into the dust of the earth, the mortar, the clay, and he begins to squeeze, sculpt, shape. And I can imagine that the angels we were like, What is God doing? This is not supposed to go down this way. He's supposed to speak. He's getting his hands dirty. That's what he's doing. And they would look. There is this being that would be Adam, the crown jewel, but motionless, it's but dust. Then Almighty God, with His hands still dirty, bent over and breathed into the nostrils of worthless dust. And out of worthless dust came Adam when the Spirit of God was breathed into him and he became a living being, the crown jewel of creation. Oh, I love that. Almighty God, out of nothing, created something so beautiful. And you can look at all the campuses around you and all the churches, network churches. Look at the person next to you and you know that God has the ability to make something beautiful out of dust. But then Jeremiah, in the, in the Bible, in, in the verse, around about verse 18, the Bible says, And God said to Jeremiah, I want to speak to you. I want you to go down to the potter's house And the potter's house is where I will begin to give you some kind of tactile, you-can-touch-it understanding of what I'm really wanting to explain about me and the people of God. So Jeremiah went and he saw the potter working at his wheel. The Bible says that the, the, the piece that he was working on was marred, was broken, and the potter crushed it, and he started all over again. Now, I want you to go with me to the actual actual scripture in Jeremiah 18, verse 5. Then the Lord gave me this message. I love this. Oh Israel, can I not do to you as this potter has done to this clay? As the clay is in the hand of the potter, so you are in mine. I love this. Because you see, in this story, God is the potter. Now, whenever you see somebody making a pottery piece, there are two forces that's at work. It is the the desire, the intent of the potter, and the readiness of the clay. Here's what is ironic. That the clay never understands the desire and intent of the potter. Yet, the potter knows the readiness of the clay. Now, since God, in the story, is the potter, I want you to understand That internally, before a potter even touches the clay, he is already pre-created where creativity resides in the recess of his soul. So if you were to ask a potter, what are you about to do? They would close their eyes, and with finite detail, they are able to tell you what they're about to create. So here's the beautiful part. By the time the potter touches the clay, He is already creating on the outside what is complete on the inside. I love that about God. You see, by the time God touches our lives, there's an already fixed up you on the inside of God. There's already a complete happy you, restored you on the inside. I love that about God. But you see, here's where we get really into a lot of trouble as humans because we want to know what God's going to do with our lives. I, I have never seen a potter that's got a lump of clay in front of him, lean over to the clay and go like, hey, clay, would it be okay if I touch you? I'm gonna make something so awesome with you. Now listen, if you ever find a potter talking to clay, negotiating permissions, you've gotta tell him you've gotta put it down. It's not good for the mind. Just put it down. There's no talking to the clay. Then why is it that we think that we can demand of God to tell us the outcome of our lives when we are but worthless dust in the hands of a living God. How is it that we want to have a stand-up contention with Almighty God if you don't tell me, like, I am not going to church ever again? That is the silliest thing because, you see, this journey is not a journey of understanding. It's a journey of trust. The only thing that God really tells us we find this in Jeremiah, and I know you know the scripture. I love it. He says, for I know the thoughts I have for you, says God. It's for thoughts for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope, because you see, here is the other side. God doesn't owe us an explanation. He doesn't. So the most beautiful part in the hands of God is the safest place for us to find value. So let me talk to you about clay. Clay is worthless dust. I I, I know when we look at all the churches and all the network churches, I know that if you were to give me a pound of clay, I'm not going to go like, yay, I'm so happy. (laughs) It's like you're giving me mud. What am I going to do with mud? Don't look at me that way. What are you going to do with mud? And I'm sure that in all the churches, there are people that go like, you give me clay, I'll do something awesome with mud. I went on eBay two days ago, and I wondered, how much would people actually pay for mud? I found a a seven-and-a-half-inch pitcher, like a little jug. I, first of all, thought, who's got the time to do a a seven-and-a-half-inch jug? Then I thought, who plays with seven-and-a-half-inch jugs? You know how much it was? 32,000 U.S. dollars. And in that moment, I go like, wait a minute, you want to tell me that I have got to pay $32,000 for clay that you find under some tree somewhere, worthless dust, $32,000. But you see, it's not the value of the dirt. It's the value of the master potter that put value to the dirt. And, And I want to say this to you as you're sitting there Our only chance of any value is not an education, affluence, influence, mastery. All those things are incredible. But the only chance that we have to any value as human beings is to find ourselves nestled in the hands of Almighty God that can instill value to worthless, worthless dust. Oh, I love that. You see, because in the hands of God is where our value is established as people. But then there is the potter's wheel. I love that. Every single potter has got this wheel, and the wheel has got no mind of its own. The wheel is not a personality. It's controlled by the potter, the speed and the rotation. The wheel's job is just to go round and round. I believe in this story, life is the potter's wheel. Have you ever felt that life just goes round and round and round? Come on now. You know what I mean. It's like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, like January, February, March, April, May, June, July, all yeah, right? And it just goes on and on and on, especially the older you get, the more you think like, isn't this like still 79? When, When is it 2000? Because it's just endless twisting and turning. But this is where it gets all messed up. We don't like the way that life turns. And now we want to have deep, endless conversation to God about life don't you understand, it's never about the potter's wheel. It never is. It's about what happens while the wheel turns. It's not what happens to you. It's not the comfort of life and convenience. It's who we become in the hands of God while we are living life. So I can look you in the eye and say to you, for some of you, you've got to let it go because you are demanding answers that only heaven one day will give. You you cannot understand why these things happen to you, but really the question is, what are we? becoming in the spinning of the potter's wheel that is what this is really all about but the scripture continues in jeremiah 18 verse 4 it says and the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the hand of the potter oh i've seen this i i don't think i have strong opinions but yet i think i do and i've watched potters do this so easily They take a lump of clay, and and I would lean in, and I would look at what they're doing, and they take their thumbs. This is the starting point. That's what I gathered. Thumbs in the clay. And then they turn the wheel, and then just the motion, the rhythmic motion of strong hands begins to shape out of a lump of clay, this beautiful vessel. Now, when you stand with bated breath, you, you know the moment comes when you go like, stop, stop. You are going to mess up the Stop. There's like the point of no return. Just leave it. You have no idea what pottery is about and how it goes down. But in that moment, instinctively, you just feel just stop. And when the potter lifts his hands off the pot, you're like, oh, just get the fish line. Cut it loose. It's the most beautiful piece I've ever seen. But no potter ever cuts the clay loose until he begins to look in a very slow rotation at his pot. And in that moment, it looks like he's mesmerized. She's mesmerized. And you go like, just cut it free, cut it free. It's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And so often I have seen a potter look, and then all of a sudden the hands that created it is the hands that seems to destroy it. The potter would destroy what he has just made. And you go like, what is wrong? You just killed the pot. What is wrong with you? You're like an angry elf. What is wrong with you? You need like anger management. You know what I mean? Like that's why you're making pot because you are just an angry person. But it's not that because you see, it's the trained eye of the potter that is seeing something that we cannot see. He is seeing air bubbles. He's seeing cracks. He's seeing impurities. And he knows if I release the spot and it's fired in the kiln, it will explode. It is the loving kindness of the potter that says, let's start again. It's the mercy and the love of the potter that says, you think, You at the end, you're about to print your business cards and become a full-time missionary. Actually, we're going to start all over again. We're going to get you back to the front seat in church. We're going to get you back to a place of brokenness. We're going to get you to a place of compassion again. We're going to make sure that, that we begin to reclaim and restake so that by the time you are done, I know you are really done. Because you see, clay is blinded to its own imperfection. You and I... We are blinded to our own imperfection. So the very first thing that God has to do in our lives is work with us in a way where we've got to trust Him. I love what Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says. He says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately corrupt. Who can understand it? Then Psalms 19:13 says, people cannot see their own mistakes. Oh, I love this. God, forgive me my secret sin. Forgive me, oh God. You see, I'm here to tell you that sin will spoil you, scar you, limit you. Sin will delay destiny in your life because the very first thing that the potter does, if he wants to begin to create out of worthless dust something so beautiful, is he has got to remove the impurity. Now, let me just speak to you for a while about that because you see, so often we have the opportunity to compromise in our lives so often we have the opportunity to to play with sin if i can call it that but we don't understand the moment we do we slow down the process of significance of destiny of purpose in our lives because god cannot do anything with our lives as long as we keep entertaining and inviting impurity in Pride will steal your destiny. God has got to remove that things out of your life. And, and I believe one of the reasons why I'm so quick to have a tender conscience is because I do not want to live a worthless life. Neither do you want to live a worthless life. So every time I say no to sin, I am ye- saying yes to value, to purpose, the destiny and the power of God that has a desire to make something beautiful in my life and in your life of worthless dust, then the second thing that the potter needs to do, he needs to help ensure that we as clay stay moist. Now, I have seen a lot of potter, potters work, but I've never seen somebody work with hardened clay, never. And I'm going to make this statement, and you may agree or not agree, I believe that the, the tenderness and the, the, the softness of our hearts are determined by us but the grace of God helps us. Let me tell you why I say that. Jeremiah 18 verse 12 says, but the people replied, and it's in the same Old Testament book, don't waste your breath. We will continue to live our lives as we want to stubbornly following our own evil desires. Ugh, how often do we do that? We go like, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I'm I'm free, I'm an adult, I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. Not understanding When our lives, when what we do is inviting this hardness of heart, God cannot shape us. And for me, my heart becomes hardened really quick. And I do not know the point when that happens, but I know the signs of what that looks like. For me, and this is personal, maybe when I tell you mine, you'll go like, okay, well, if he can, then I'm sure I can be honest. For me... It's when I pray and my prayers become empty phrases like a mantra that I just repeat. And when I'm done, there is nothing different in my life. When I read the Bible and it turns into information, you know when you open you go like, I've read that, I've read that, I've read that, I've read that. Man, isn't there anything new in this? But you see, when your heart is tender, in one chapter is life changed for an eternity. It, it, It is... It is revelation, it is conviction, it's, it's, it's the scripture is coming to my heart, but when my heart is hardened, it, it's all through my mind. For me, it's when compassion leaves my heart. When people tell me about the hurt in their lives and I'm looking at them and go like, I don't even like your shoes. <laughs> I, of course, I won't tell them that, I think it. Don't look at me that way, you do the same, you know what I mean? It's like. Mm-hmm. It's a sign that my heart's become hardened when it's time to worship God, and I count how many times they sing the song. To me, it's a sign that my heart, you know, because you do realize God doesn't get excited about new songs. He's looking for the language of our hearts. The songs are just the vehicle that carries the language of our heart, and I can go on. For me, the hardest thing is when compromise re-enters my life. When I say no to certain things when my heart is tender, and then my wife would come and say, what are you watching on TV? Not that I'm watching bad stuff. She goes like, what are you watching on TV? And I tell her, I'm a 40-year-old man and I'm paying for this. Don't tell me what I can watch. That's a sign that my heart has become hardened. And if I'm not careful and I do not ask the grace of God and almost the water of His Spirit to soften me, I'm saying no to the significance of Him taking worthless dust, me, you, And making something beautiful out of it. Then the last thing. So the first thing is God has got to purify. Second thing, we've got to stay soft. Third thing is stay on the wheel. I love this part. Stay on the wheel. You know why? Because I've been in church all my life and I've seen it. And you guys that the church is a new thing for you. Let me tell you something very bad about church people, and you're now one of them, so let me tell you, this is what we do, we love being on the wheel and in the hands of God while things go very right, like, I, like, oh, I love God, thank you, I'm on the wheel, because there's a new hot person at church that thinks I'm hot too, and hallelujah, and like, hallelujah, I've got a new car, and a new job, praise you Jesus, and a new apartment, oh, I love this God thing, if everything goes good, and then you realize the hot person was looking at the hot person behind you, and you go like, what is that? And then you lose your job, and you go like, what? What the heck is up with that? You go like, listen, God, if you do not sort this out, do you think God gets nervous when clay, worthless dust, have tantrums? Do you think God goes like, oh, oh, what are we going to do? Oh, there's a tantrum here. No, you don't understand. God just stands back like a good parent. Our kids can just exhaust themselves with stupidity. And by the time they're done, they know where to come to for food and love and patience and kindness and grace, they do. And I'm here to tell you we've gotta stay on the wheel. And I'm looking in the eyes of people that have gone through very tough times. And I'm here to tell you my heart beats with compassion, but you've gotta stay on the wheel you've got to stay on the wheel. Whether you are loved or you've just been hurt in love, you've got to stay on the wheel. Whether you have a job or no job, you've got to stay on the wheel for I know the plans that God has for you. It's plans to prosper you. It's not to hurt you. It's to give you a future. But the only safe place is in the hands of the living God because it's His kindness and His grace that holds you together. And I know He's going to make something beautiful out of your life. So let me finish this up. God says, Isaiah 55, verse 8, my thoughts are not like your thoughts. He says, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Now, this is the part I really, really like. Because like you, I mess up over time. And whenever we mess up the voices that I hear, and I think you hear the same voices, wants to disqualify me from the race. And I read this part in Jeremiah 18 verse 4. He says, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hands of the potter. Then it's this big word, two letters. So he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. I love the soul. I love that. Because you see, in our world, whenever something doesn't work out, we discard it. It gets thrown to the corner. gets discounted. It just gets pushed aside. And and we don't want to fix what is broken. Just give us something new to work with. But God is not like that. He's the God of the soul. And that word soul is so tiny. Two letters, but it's filled with compassion. It's filled with grace. It is filled with the character of a God that is slow to anger and rich in love because every single one of us uh, all around the world, watching me right now, we have violated the promises that we've made to God again and again, and it's embarrassing, it's embarrassing when I promise never again, and I do it, but thank God for the soul of God, where God goes like, there you go again, but I'm committed to you because He began to work in you, is able to bring it to full completion, so I'm here to tell you, no matter how you've messed up, no matter what you've done with your life, listen, I, I it's, it's not that I don't care, but there is nothing that you have ever done that is too hard for the mercy of God, because the blood of Jesus still has the power to pick you up, to forgive you, to bring grace to your life. The power of God is still there to reach out to you. Listen doesn't matter how many cuts you've got on your arm. doesn't matter how much you shoot up behind to the scene. I don't care what your secret sin is. The soul of God says, come on, just stay on the wheel and I will pick you up and I will make you beautiful because I am the kind of God that can make beautiful things out of worthless dust. So let me finish this off. I love this part even better. So the angels, I love everything there. Isn't it true? So the angels, right? They are leaning in. Because, you see, our worth is in the hands of God, but we're still lifeless. Where the angels were peering in on God creating Adam, I can imagine they go like, man, look look at those muscles. Like, we don't have that. Like, what's up with that? That's really, it's not in the Bible. Don't go look for it. I think personally it should have been. Right? I don't think it rains in heaven, but if it rained... After God kind of sculpted and molded Adam, there goes Adam. Like, he would just wash away because he's still just potential. But you see, it was the moment where God Almighty bent down and breathed the breath of life into the nostrils of creation. Listen, you do not know Jesus until he breathes the breath of life. Into your life. The moment when the Spirit of God fills your every cavity with the life and the love of the Father. That's why this is not religion. It's a divine act of God that changes humanity. It's not changing your mind. It's not saying, hey, I really like this life church thing. Let's come again. It's beyond that. It is the spirit of Almighty God that is the life giver that is seeking to resuscitate humanity. Where where he says, come on, let me gather you up on my potter's wheel. The plan I have for you is so beautiful. But don't get off. Don't go like, hey, look at me. Look at me. I'm really. uh," No, 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 no. It's not until I breathe the breath of life into you your spirit, and you become a living being, that's when the work is done. That's when you are sons and daughters of the living God. So as I look you in the eye here today, there is a beautiful song that Gangor wrote. He says, you make beautiful things out of dust. You make beautiful things out of us. And no matter what you have done, no matter where you've been, no matter what's holding, I I don't care how messy your dust is. God Almighty is ready to bend down, pick you up. And if a seven and a half inch jug can cost 32,000 US dollars, I got to look at you and say, we're priceless. That's who we are, sons and daughters of God. Let's pray together. Oh God, I can hear the whisper of your spirit just begging us to surrender, begging us to let go of our independence, begging us to let go of our self-sufficiency, for you to bring a realization in all of our hearts that we are worthless dust, oh God, forgettable lives without your hands, and we are still lifeless without your spirit so i pray today that you will just come and shape mold and breathe in us oh god and ultimately that you will make beautiful things out of us we love you jesus for being patient and kind again and again and again amen